Good news for tenants in PEI who are facing eviction. Two stories of police violence. Pecanicum First Nation reeling after another deadly house fire. And more than 100 people are feared dead after a boat capsized in the Mediterranean. Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 28th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. Let's start with some good news this morning. Three tenants at an apartment building in Soros, PEI, have won a fight with their landlord. You might remember this from a daily news episode that aired maybe a month ago. The Island Regulatory and Appeals Commission has ruled that the rental agreements of three tenants who are being evicted must stay in place and the tenants can stay in their homes. The report comes from Brian Higgins and Lisa Catterall from CBC News. Their landlord was the company DP Murphy, Inc., They are politically connected and have businesses all across the Maritimes and in other parts of Canada. DP Murphy Inc. was trying to evict them to house temporary foreign workers that they were bringing in to work at one of their Tim Hortons franchises. Brenda Harris, one of the three who's no longer being evicted, is glad that they won, but had already found another place to live. She's been paying two rents and the cost of moving, anticipating that they wouldn't win. PEI has an extremely low vacancy rate. DP Murphy has 20 days to appeal the decision. Next to Vancouver. Last week, Vancouver police located a man that they thought was a suspect in a Calgary home invasion and shot him. It happened in the Yale Town neighborhood. Andrew Weichel from CTV News Vancouver, citing the manufacturer's information, I guess, said that they use something called a less lethal Arwen gun, a gun that shoots, quote, 37 millimeters, less lethal munitions, which includes direct impact batons, chemical irritant delivery munitions, and smoke delivery munitions. That last quote is from the Wikipedia entry on Arwen, not the article. The article assumes that you know what this means and that you don't understand that something is either lethal or isn't. There's no mostly dead unless you're in Gilder or Florin. Police shot the man with two rounds. Sergeant Steve Addison told CTV that they thought to check his identity after they shot him when they discovered that he was not, quote, the suspect out of Calgary. The man wasn't seriously injured, reports the article, but he was treated by ambulance. The police said that he, quote, bore a resemblance, unquote, to this Calgary fellow, but didn't say what that means. Were they both old white men? Unlikely. Were they both black or indigenous? We are left to imagine what this person could have looked like to have convinced the police to take him down like this. The police did that oh-so-Canadian thing after and apologized. There's another case of police violence, though this one was caught on camera. An officer with Edmonton's police force can be seen on camera repeatedly punching an 18-year-old man in a parking garage. It happened last Wednesday night after police say the man was driving quote-unquote erratically. This story from CTV News Edmonton is laden with passive voice, like officers quote performed a traffic stop unquote and quote 
when police observed a vehicle being driven erratically, unquote. It's really brutal writing that is also unnecessary. The words punched repeatedly, though they appear in the article, probably should have also been in the headline, but instead is replaced with, quote, use of force. Normally, when there is no video and journalists only have the police sources to rely on, we get this kind of thing. But when there's literally a video and an investigation as a result of the video, journalists do have a responsibility to report things plainly. Anyway, when CTV Edmonton asked if the man was hurt, they refused to say. But they did say that they charged the punchy with two charges and, quote, unquote, a number of traffic summons. Remember, as I used in a defense once against an anti-choice group on campus years ago, One is also a number. Finally, for national news, two adults and a child have died in a fire at Pecanicum First Nation in northwestern Ontario. Vernie Turtle was 44, Kristen Moose was 38, and Kendriana Turtle was 8. Pecanicum firefighters were unable to get to the blaze in time due to cold weather-related mechanical issues with the two community fire trucks. Local member of provincial parliament, Sol Memaqua, said that he was there three days after the fire and it was still smoldering because the community couldn't put it out. The fire is traumatizing for obvious reasons, but also because in 2016, nine people died there in a house fire. CBC's Gord Ellis reports that a 10-year-old girl died in January in the Cree community of Piwanuk, a northern Ontario community near the Hudson's Bay coast. Indigenous people are 10 times more likely to die in a house fire than non-Indigenous people. Ontario's Minister of Indigenous Affairs, Greg Rickford, said in response to Memaqua that his office has approved funding as requested by the community to offer immediate assistance. And finally, to an unfolding crisis on the Mediterranean, at least 63 people are confirmed to have died off the coast of southern Italy. Their boat held about 200 people, and it's feared that at least 100 of the passengers, including children, have died. About 80 managed to survive and were able to make it to shore. The boat had left Turkey. The BBC is reporting that there are Afghan, Pakistani, Somali, Syrian, Iraqi, and Iranian nationals aboard. Customs police arrested one of the survivors on human trafficking charges. Sergio Didato from Médecins Sans Frontières said that the survivors were absolutely traumatized. Many had family among the ones who died. Francesco Criazzo from SPS Méditerranée said, quote, This is yet another tragedy happening near our shores. It reminds us all that the Mediterranean is a giant mass grave with tens of thousands of souls in it and continues to widen. Italy's far-right government has made political hay over their anti-immigrant positions, including wanting to stop migrants from ever leaving to embark on a boat in the first place. Giorgia Maloney's government has recently passed legislation to make it harder for groups to rescue migrants on the Mediterranean. Ships will have to sail immediately to a port after they request permission to land, rather than stay out at sea looking for boats who issue distress alerts, as they currently do. Rescue groups also must disclose to the Italian government detailed information about their rescue work, reports Euractive News. MSF was accused of withholding information about a recent rescue that they completed. Their boat was blocked for 20 days and they were fined 10,000 euros as a result. They saved lives on that rescue mission. It's estimated that nearly 26,000 people have died in the Mediterranean in nine years. 
Those are your headlines for Tuesday, February 28th. It's the last day of February, and it's also Sandy and Nora Day. So listen up for the new episode of Sandy and Nora to drop in a couple of hours.